Marty. <laughs> I'm Mrs. Marty. When we had a church in the Deep South in Thibodeau, I actually didn't have a name. I was Sister Marty. So, <laughs> so y'all can call me Sister Marty. But uh, it is always such a blessing to be here. You know, the Lord shared a word with me for your church that I think we're going to be talking about all week. Um, off and on, I'll be sharing a little bit of mostly be Marty. But about five days ago, we were just driving in the car, and we were talking about your church, and the Lord just dropped something into my spirit. And, and he dropped it in my spirit in the form of a question. He said, throughout history, human beings, where is it that they live and make communities? What is, what is the first thing that is necessary? Water. They look for water. They gravitate towards water. And I felt like the Lord told me that it's like you're digging a well here, a deep well, and that as you keep digging and you keep pressing in, that water is going to bubble up enough to feed you and overflow, and it's going to turn into a great river, and people are going to come from far and wide, just like they did at Azusa Street. I see that for this place. If you will press in, if you will continue to seek him, if you will dig, if you will dig. You know, this idea that Christianity is just Jesus did it all at the cross, so we sit down. It's completely false. It's completely erroneous. You look at the writings of Paul, Peter, James, and John, and don't you dare think less of the other apostles because the Holy Spirit saw fit to speak to them for the church of their day today until Jesus comes, and their words that God gave them are eternal. But you read all of the apostles, and you see works. When did works become a bad thing? Paul said in Galatians, there are the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. So we're active and we're producing something. And the fruit, of course, is something that is birthed from the Holy Spirit. But if you read the letters, Paul talks about praying. Paul talks about singing. Jesus talked about fasting. Talked about where we set our eyes. Talked about don't do this and don't do that. Amen? So if we're going to sit down in this world and we're not going to dig and we're not going to pursue, we are not going to hold Christ. We are not going to have anything in our lives that's going to attract anyone, and we're not going to have any victory in our lives. Amen? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get in the Word. Praise God. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for every man and woman and child that is in this place. Your church, bought by your blood. Now, Abba Father, I'm asking you to move by your spirit and speak the words of life. They came expecting. They came expecting impartation from you, Father. And I thank you that it is your will, Lord God to speak and to reveal your truth and your son to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word. And so we ask you to take over this teaching time and speak 
and we give you all the glory, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start in uh, the book of Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 13. You know, I've talked about the book of Ephesians here a lot. Everywhere I go, actually, I love the book of Ephesians. It's just straight, uncut, clear word of God that Paul gave. And in the beginning of it, he says that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we live, you and I live, so far below where we are seated and what's been given to us through Jesus Christ. We are called to cling to him, to love him, to seek after him, to hunger after him, to thirst after him. And I want to look at, at uh, Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a linen girdle, and put it upon thy loins, and put it not in water. So I got a girdle according to the word of the Lord, and put it on my loins. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise and go to Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole of the rock. So I went and I hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. And it came to pass after many days that the Lord said unto me, Arise, go to the Euphrates and take the girdle from thence, which I commanded thee to hide there. When I went to Euphrates and digged and took the girdle from the place where I had hid it, and behold, the girdle was marred. It was profitable for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, after this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them. So shall, so, I'm sorry, and worship them, shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing. For as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people, for a name, for a praise, and for a glory, but they would not hear. God is the same and he has not changed. And God has went to great lengths and extents to bring to us the new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we have an even deeper entering in available to us to cleave unto God. And, you know, he, he could have talked about another piece of uh, clothing, a shirt, shoes. Look at what he chose to speak about, the linen girdle. That, that speaks of complete intimacy the most private and intimate part of a human being. You and I are created for the purpose 
of cleaving to the Father. That is our primary purpose. And if we don't start from point A, and we are trying to live a blessed and prosperous, spiritually prosperous life, we will fail. When Jesus died on that cross, the Bible tells us what? That the veil in the temple was, was rent. And you and I are able to go in by the blood. And we have the heart of the Father and the ear of the Father. Everything that the Father has is available to us. These are the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, in my name, if you ask. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and teach you everything about me. He's going to come and show you the things of the Father, the precious Holy Spirit. If we do not follow the Holy Spirit, we are good for nothing. We're good for nothing. We will have no light, no breath, no water, nothing for anyone else or our own house. This place is called to magnify the Lord in the earth in a mighty way. This humble little house. And what the Lord is saying, I believe, tonight is, though you've done well, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Because you're going to have a bigger cup. You're going to have a bigger container, a bigger flow for people that are hungry and thirsty. You see, when God sees somebody who's obedient, he wants to take them deeper. He wants to take them further. That's why we see in the Bible we've got people like Paul who went and saw the very heavens and said he saw things unlawful to speak of. We've got people like Daniel who prayed three times a day, and he wasn't saying, you know, no disrespect to Catholic people, but he wasn't saying a rosary, and he wasn't saying our Father who art in heaven. He was seeking God's face. So get that image out of your mind that he went and prayed three religious prayers a day. He had a heart after God. He entered into the throne. He entered into the heavenlies mysteries were revealed unto him. And let me bring this out for the kingdom now message, for the God wants to give us everything in this earth. This man was the most blessed man of his day as far as spiritual things and authority from heaven. And he sat next to, walked next to, advised, was closest to, what, three kings? They all passed. Their kingdoms were taken, and Daniel stood through every one of those kingdoms because his kingdom was not of this earth. He stood as a son of the Most High God, as a prince of the heavenly kingdom. So are you and I. Don't get your eyes on the things and the places and the uh, appointments of this world. If God appoints you, it's for his glory. And Daniel's heart, Daniel listened to the words of this prophet Jeremiah. And when he was taken captive, a prince of Israel, he was taken captive, reduced to a captive, and put into the place of a heathen, a heathen king to serve him. Jeremiah was the only one prophesying, saying, judgment's going to come. Yield to it. The father says, we've earned it. We deserve it. Yield to it. He'll protect you. He'll, he'll bless you in captivity. Every other prophet was saying, it's not going to come. Judgment's not going to come. There was even one prophet that slapped Jeremiah in the face and said, when did the Spirit of God leave me and go into you? Jeremiah stood and proclaimed the truth all by himself. 
he said thing, he talked to God and he talked about the pain and the misery of nobody listening to him, everybody hating him because he was saying that which nobody wanted to hear. But there was one man that heard. His name was Daniel. And he's the one that the Bible records said, I, I was reading and remembering the words of the prophet Daniel. And he said after 70 years that our captivity would be over and he would rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. Daniel never set his heart on the kingdoms of this earth, on prosperity. You remember when he prophesied to Belteshazzar when the uh, writing was on the wall? And Daniel was the only one who could interpret it because Daniel walked closely with God. Daniel knew the heart of God. When he gave the interpretation, that king offered him to be first in the kingdom under him. He offered him a gold necklace and a robe. And what did Daniel do? No, thank you. No, thank you. He wasn't motivated by that. These teachers will teach you that that's what motivated men like Daniel and Solomon. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. So Daniel stood in the earth as an ambassador of Christ, understanding the big picture. God revealed to him the plan of the ages. God revealed to him the rise and fall of the empires in the earth from his day to the end. Do you want God to reveal things to you? I want God to reveal things to me. Amen. I was in a prayer meeting at the Bible college with the girls back there in Baton Rouge, and the Spirit of the God, the Spirit of God was moving, and he showed me a vision. He showed me beautiful, beautiful, deep red curtains hanging on either side, and then there was a long, long table. On the table was the most beautiful food and dishes, unearthly, nothing like I've ever seen on earth, the colors and the richness. It was beautiful. Behind the table was Jesus. He was standing behind the table, and there were chairs all up and down both sides of the table, and there was not one person in the room. And then a person would walk up, look in, and walk off. I saw two different people walk up, look in, and walk off. And I said, Lord, what does this mean? What are you showing me? And he said to me that this is the table that has been spread and laid by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Heavenly, earth, heavenly blessings, the blessings in heavenly places. But my children don't come in and partake. They're not interested. And then he showed me that it's like myself, the one who walks up. We look at this word and we look at it in a surface way. We peruse through it, and we, and, we, and we get a little bit in our head, and then we go off and do our thing here in the earth. We don't question. We don't meditate. We don't seek. We don't knock. We don't ask about the mysteries. If we, see, if we come across a mystery, it's like, oh, I don't get that part, and we keep reading. And we tend to take the parts we understand and read them over and over and ignore the rest. We need to learn to be hungry and thirsty children who will ask who will knock, who will meditate. There are things that he's revealing to me now that I have been asking him for 25 years. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? 
And it's his delight to reveal it. Why didn't he reveal it to me 25 years ago? Because I didn't know the word well enough. It's taken me 25 years in the word to be able to converse with God about some of the questions that I had. Remember what he said to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? You want to understand why you're going through this trial? It's a little hard for me to talk to you. I'm eternal. I'm almighty. I'm doing something you can't even imagine. And so we have the nerve to complain to God about our circumstances and our lack and where are you, God? And we don't even take the time to meditate on this that was given to us through the blood of saints. For 2,000 years, people have bled and died to give us this word. How seriously do we take it? How dare I go to God and complain that I don't understand when I'm not seeking it out in this word? When I am not on my face crying out, Holy Spirit, lead me. Those who are led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. Are you led by the Holy Spirit today? Or do we just give lip service? We acknowledge him. We believe in him. But we don't yield to him. We don't seek. We don't wait. We don't knock. We don't ask. And we don't have. And then when we do, the word says we often do it from a corrupt heart. We do it because we just want something to please our flesh. This word is a mirror. If we do not get into it, we will have a false idea of what we look like in the spirit every day. And it happens fast. Have you ever thought you were doing well and had the spirit of the Lord take you by the back of the neck and kind of shake you through this word and show you how far off you are? My God, we are serving a mighty God, and he is doing a mighty thing, and we have a vicious, cruel, wicked enemy who was there ages and ages and eons ago, and he knows all about you. Not like God. He doesn't know your inner workings, but he can watch you, and he's been watching human beings for 6,000 years, and he's got it pretty figured out. And he's been watching you. And every day when you wake up, he is waiting for an opportunity to destroy you. You don't think you and I need to be led by the Spirit? We can't see into the spiritual realm. We can't see the devils and the demons and the things the enemy has set up for you and I. The Holy Spirit can. We need to let him lead us. I remember one time I was in the supermarket And I'm pushing my cart and doing my thing. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just brought into my heart my oldest daughter, Mary Beth. I didn't know why, but I felt an urgency. And as I'm pushing my cart, I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to pray in tongues because I felt an urgency that something was truly wrong. Now, I could listen to my mind that said, oh, you can't do that here we're so carnally minded and I don't suggest that everybody go through the grocery store all the time praying in tongues but sometimes things take precedence over what's normal and what's you know people are going to accept you know it was a miracle not one person looked at me or even acted like they heard me it was the most amazing thing it was it was like they didn't even notice and uh I called on the phone and found out that at that very time Mary Beth was in a restaurant and she was choking And she was choking, and she was silent, and it was a good minute before anybody realized that she was choking. And uh, as I prayed, 
you know, and believed the word of God over my child. You see, we're lazy. We think because it's written, it's going to be. But we have an enemy who challenges this word every single day. He goes about as a roaring lion every single day, seeking to destroy, seeking to devour. And our minds... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every, every, every vain imagination and every thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God has had me in that scripture because I don't walk that way. There are things I allow myself to think about certain people that doesn't line up with the Word of God. There are things that I think about on a daily basis that has nothing to do with God. And the Lord has been dealing with me and saying, you want to walk in power, you want to walk in might, you want to know what it is to be baptized in my love, and when you speak the name of Jesus, something happens in people's hearts, you better take care of your mind. You better start casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then bringing it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And once my obedience is established, then I am ready to have in readiness to avenge all disobedience. So I have no power to help somebody else if I'm not weeding my own garden. And I know that you have a heart here to reach the lost. I know that you do. Understand this, that you already know. But let me remind you, the five-fold ministry is for you to strengthen you to do the work of the ministry. You are the light of the world. You are the magnets in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your schools. You are the ones that are supposed to be drawing the lost. Even when we have a crusade, how are those people going to get there? The Holy Ghost is going to draw them through you. And you need to begin to be bold. And I'm telling you, if you will let the Holy Ghost work in you, and you will ask him to baptize you in, in his love, Paul said the greatest gift of all the spiritual gifts is love. If you will pray for that person, if you will ask God, to give you his heart for them, and then you go and speak to them, invite them, you're going to see miracles happen. You're going to see people you never thought would come, come. Amen? There's a, um, there's a book that I, that I gave to your pastors about Mr. Finney, Charles Finney. And when he would go into a town to do revivals, the first thing he would do is get on his face and pray and fast. And then he would ask the Lord to lead like-minded, serious people to come and pray with him. He understood that you had to lay the groundwork in prayer. He understood that you had to get the mind of God. And this is what he continually did. He would pick out the worst, most miserable, most unlikely to ever serve Christ person and begin to cry out to heaven to save him or her as a sign to the rest of the city. And God would do it. And people would come and ask him, how does that work, you know? How, how does that work? And he would simply say, I believe God. I believe his word. It's really simple. He said it's his will that none would perish. 
But how willing are we to get on our face and get on our knees and stay there until his word comes to pass? It's his will. You don't have to wonder about that. And if a saint is crying out, because that person has no covenant, but if you're crying out, I'm your daughter, I'm your son, and I take my skirts and I put it over that person, hallelujah, like Boaz did, I take my covenant and I extend it to them. That's the kind of heart God has. You think he's going to deny you? He will do things you never thought possible. He is a yes and an amen God. He wants us to have his heart. He wants us to have our mind on what he has his mind on, heavenly minded. God's heart is for the lost. The only reason we are here is because God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. He's waiting for the fruit of the earth. He's waiting for the harvest. And you people have a holy commission to the harvest. And you've said yes. Hallelujah. You've said yes, and you're going to be a spearhead. And as you continue in obedience, as you continue to pursue, there's going to be other churches that are going to follow you, not just in this community, but all across the United States. I'm prophesying that if you will obey, it is going to begin a move of God and a river of God in this country. Don't say, who am I? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Every single one of you was preordained to be here by the Father. Every single one of you. And the devil has fought you hard on the ground of intimacy. Because you're not going to reach any harvest. You can have a harvest to yourself. You can have a harvest to your movement. You can have a harvest to your church. But a harvest to Christ costs everything. It costs everything, and you have to go into the holy place, and you have to learn and find out by the Holy Spirit what your promises are and learn to stand on them with everything that is in you. You are an army of God. You have been inducted, and you have answered. Don't be casual. Don't think you've arrived. It's only just begun. He wants to raise you up as a mightily spirit-filled Holy Ghost army in this hour. We're just going into training. I'm just going into training. See, because I, I don't walk like Daniel did. I don't walk like Joseph did. I want to. That's what I want because they impacted the whole earth for God. How big is your vision? How big is your heart? What vision and dream has God put inside of you? He loves to take somebody that looks like nothing and nobody and turn the world upside down with them. Amen? My little grandma. Nobody, nobody knows who my grandma is, but some people do now. But, I mean, she was the most humble, most quiet. Her life existed of getting in her car, going to the church, coming back home, getting groceries, sitting in her house and seeking God's face. That was her whole life. She was simple. She was called to be an intercessor. And shortly before she died, I remember she told me, I don't want to go home yet because I'm ashamed that I have no sheaves to lay at the master's feet. She was very humble and very shy. 
and her life was very limited. She spent most of her life ministering to an alcoholic husband. And she didn't get to get out and live her life. But she prayed. She prayed. And devils fleed. And things happened. She prayed for me when I was at San Francisco. I went there to have fun and to get as deep into the world as I could. <laughs> her prayers came where I was. And when I was there, high on marijuana, I began to see the devil's world for what it was because of her prayers. Because of her prayers, I saw the lust and the demonic activity, and the Holy Ghost broke into my lostness and showed me that this is the world and that there's just two choices, that that's the ultimate end, filth and disgrace and death. And I began to be sickened by my life choices and my lifestyle and I got in my car. I made everybody go home. We had just gotten there. We'd been there like two hours. We got a hotel room and everything, and we were going to party and have a good time. I told everybody, we're leaving. That was an act of God because I did whatever I wanted to, and I was wild. And uh, everybody got in the car, and uh, they all passed out, and I was high. I'd been smoking hash, and I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God that I knew as a little girl, just filled the car. And it was like, are you ready yet? Are you ready to come home yet? Have you let the devil destroy you enough and take away your respect and take away every good and clean thing that I gave you? Are you ready? And then this song that meant so much to me as a young girl just began to flood my heart and my spirit, and I began to sing it. And it was that song, um, Come to the Water, Stand by My Side. I know you are thirsty. You won't be denied. What is interesting about that is in the seven years that I was backslidden from the Lord, I used to try to reach out to him. I would try to take my Bible and read it, and demonic spirits would come and tell me they were going to kill me. And my heart would race, and I couldn't, I couldn't read the book. I was scared to death. All my life, I had known what it was to sense spiritual darkness and spiritual creatures of the other side. And I didn't understand it, and I never talked to anybody about it. And there would be times in my life, like you and like your lost loved ones right now, when things would happen and you'd want to reach to God, but satanic forces would pull you back. When that would happen to me, I would try to read the word, and I would, I would just be so bound and so fearful I couldn't do it. I would try to remember those Sunday school songs, and I couldn't remember a single lyric, a single note. I couldn't remember them. Deep in my heart, there was a cry to God, but I was bound by my own doing. The word says that, that he blinds our minds, that we might not be able to see the glorious light of the truth of the gospel. Some of you have lost loved ones. You need to begin to pray and rebuke the devil off of their minds. Rebuke the devil from them in Jesus' name. You have the authority to do that regardless of what their will is. You can't make them accept Christ, but you can tell the devil to get off of them so that they can hear the word of God. And the Holy Spirit came into my car and preached the word of God to me through Sunday school songs. There was no preacher in that car. It was my grandmother's prayers. You see, we limit God. Well, they're never going to go to church. They're not going to, you know, I can't get them to church. How can they get saved? God can do anything. God can do anything. 
Yeah, I've heard the stories of people in the Middle East and uh, that the, the angels appear to them and, and tell them where to go to, to receive the gospel. And he knows the hungry heart. He knows the broken heart. And he will honor your prayer of faith. And you need to begin to take the limits off of him. It's the desperate heart. Brother Swaggart, I didn't get to hear it, but I heard that Brother Swaggart on Sunday morning preached about the woman who said even the, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. Jesus loved that. She took the limits off. She was going to pursue after that blessing for her daughter, no matter what it took. And before the second covenant was even established to the Gentiles, before the blood of Christ was even shed, she reached through faith into the future, into the heart of God, and received her blessing and received the healing for her daughter. God wants people like that. What did he say? I've not seen so great a faith. How many times did he say that? How great is your faith? Do you know anything about the heart of this God that you're serving? We need to know his nature. We need to understand who he is. And we will not do that if we don't cleave to him. We must cleave to him. Please, please turn to the book of, of uh, Romans. After I got saved, I had such a move of repentance on my life that came a couple of weeks later, a sovereign move of repentance in which the Lord in prayer just began to show me all of my sins that I had not even asked forgiveness for because I was so worldly, I didn't even know half the things I did were wrong were wrong little attitudes and little words and, and rebellions that, that I had done against my parents and my grandmother and people. And he began to convict my heart so heavily that I cried from morning until night without stopping. I could not stop crying. The repentance of the Holy Spirit was on me. The convicting power of God was on me so heavily. You know, that's something we did, most believers don't even know what I'm talking about. Real conversion, deep convert. We need to let God get in deep. Now, if I had not been seeking the Lord, if I had not said when I got saved, you know what? I hate this world. I'm sick of it. All I want is you, God. And I had not been in his presence. He couldn't have done that. He couldn't have done that deep work. Yes, I would have been saved and hopefully I would have stayed saved, but I wouldn't have had any fruit. I would have been a carnal Christian. And it's a very dangerous thing to be because the devil can take you captive. So I was so in love with the Lord, and I was so determined to serve him, and I began to have thoughts of how greatly I was going to serve him. And I began to try to fast, and I began to try to pray, and I began to set limits on myself. I'm going to fast for this long. I'm going to pray for this long. As I began to do that, as the word teaches, because I was doing it in my fleshly might, I began to deal with all the sins that God had just sovereignly set me free from. They just began to pop up. And for two weeks, I fasted and prayed because I, I had gone from being delivered and clean to suddenly fighting all these lusts of the flesh 
with no power over them. And as I prayed and cried out to God, um, I was just, just, just broken and hurting and not understanding. And finally, after two weeks of fasting and prayer, the Lord spoke to me. And uh, he spoke to me Romans 8. And I was a new Christian, so I didn't know what the word was going to say. He just told me to look up Romans chapter 8. And verse 14, verse 13 and 14. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I'm sorry, I got this out of order. Before he gave me that scripture, the Holy Spirit spoke a phrase to me that I didn't understand. It's still written in my first Bible with a question mark. He said to me, quit trying to die and live. And I had no idea what that meant. And then he gave me the scripture verse. So I looked it up and I read it. And it talks about, through the spirit mortifying the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then in Galatians 5.18 says, um, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, and then he, t- he turned me to another scripture. He gave me one more scripture. And when I looked it up, it says, it's God that works in you to cause you to be willing and obedient to do his good pleasure. So what the Lord said to me that day was he was teaching me the message of the cross. He was telling me that it's not my business to kill the works of my flesh and that I'm not able to. The law couldn't do it and I couldn't do it. But if I will walk in the spirit that will kill the works of the flesh. And when you read the, the fruit of the Spirit, and when you read the, the uh, works of the flesh, he put them side by side on purpose. He said about the fruit of the Spirit, against such there is no law. You see, we're free from the law because we're walking in righteousness. Because the blood has cleansed us, the Spirit has come in. The law still has repercussions. And if we're walking in the flesh, the word says we're going to reap death. It says it in Galatians. If you're living in the flesh, it says it here in Romans. If you're living in the flesh, you're going to have death. So this idea that we're not under the law and it has no power over us is only true if we're walking in the spirit. But in the two scriptures that he gave to me, one says walk in the spirit, one says be led by the spirit. That speaks of going somewhere, doesn't it? He didn't say sit in the spirit. He didn't say be still in the spirit. He said walk and be led. Where is the spirit going to lead us? He's going to lead us to Christ. He's going to lead us to reveal Christ. And how is he going to do that? He's going to lead us to read the word. He's going to lead us to pray. He's going to lead us to fast. He led me into some deep fasting at that time. And you know what? It wasn't really hard. My flesh screamed. My flesh died. But every time I would go to take a bite of of something, the Holy Spirit would literally stop me. It was phenomenal. It was a work of grace. 
And uh, I wasn't married. I was single. I was free to do that. Now my fasting is a lot more limited because of uh, all the responsibilities of my life. And when I was raising my children, my husband had to teach me, you can't walk like that. You're my wife and you have children. You need to take care of the home. You need to take care of me. <laughs> right, men? <laughs> and that's true. That's what the word said. Paul said, if you're going to get married, you can't just think about your relationship with God. You've got to minister to your, to your wife or your husband and your children. Amen? So, but the Lord began to teach me. And what I, what I want to say to you is the enemy has been trying to take the finished work of the cross, which is awesome and powerful and the heart of a Christian life. The Lord revealed that to me a few weeks into my walk. If he hadn't have, I don't know, I would have killed myself or backslid probably trying to serve God and finding that I couldn't. But he told me the truth and he set me free. But what I see happening is the enemy is trying to convince us to be, he has, he has literally, it's like I've seen Christians that are frozen, bound. I've seen Christians that are like being beat up by the devil. I mean, I've had Christians tell me things like, like I know there's a demon spirit that's talking to me and talking to me. And, and, and I said, what, did you, what have you done about it? Well, I'm looking to the cross and waiting. In the cross, he paid the price so that what Jesus said before he went to the cross, if we ask anything in the Father, he will do it for us. Even before he went to the cross, he told his disciples, I give you all power and authority over the works of the enemy. He said, go into the world and make fishers of men. Look at the book of Acts. Sharon Cornell has, has, has repeated that word over and over, and she just said it again last week. And did any of you ever hear that prophecy, read the book of Acts and get ready? And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you know why I keep having her say that? And he said, because uh, nobody's doing it. Have you, did you hear the word the first time she gave it? 2006 Thanksgiving, I think it was. Have you taken that as a word from God and delved into the... You know what? If you will do it, you'll find an answer to all this confusion that's come about. And let's not play games. There's been a lot of confusion about the finished work of Christ. And there's been a lot of strife and a lot of ugliness and a lot of flesh. The finished work of the cross does not produce flesh and backbiting and strife. We need to know this word and examine things by the fruit. I challenge you to read the book of Acts in light of the finished work of the cross and look at how the disciples who walked and talked and ate and laughed and went everywhere with Jesus, look what they did. Look how they were fulfilling the Great Commission. And I want you to also look, there's a silliness about it's not time for the harvest yet, which is just... He ended every gospel after he rose from the dead. Every gospel. He ended by telling them, you're going to be fishers of men. Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. The beginning of the book of Acts, before he was ascended, what did he say? He said, you know, you're going to go and you're going to wait for the Holy Ghost. For what reason? So that you can have fun and you can have Holy Ghost sleepovers and, you know, everybody will be happy and roll around on the floor. For the purpose of reaching the lost. And then it's not an accident that, it, that the angel said he's going to come back in like manner like you saw him leave right after Jesus said, said these things to them. 
When is he going to come back? When we reap the harvest. When, read the book of Revelation, and you'll see between the sixth and the seventh seal, between the sixth and the seventh vial, between the sixth and the seventh, always, you'll see something that looks like the harvest and the rapture. That's the end. The devil is trying to freeze the body of Christ. He's trying to make a stone. He's trying to make us sit down. Read the book of Ephesians. Find out all that God has given to us. We've been seated in Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. He said we ask anything in his name. He said whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. At the name of Jesus, anything we ask the Father. How does the devil keep us so messed up, so ineffective, so bound, so sitting in our own little world depressed? Depression? What did Paul say? He said, he said to uh, be filled with the Spirit, making psalms and hymns in your heart, to encourage one another in the Word in these last days. We isolate ourselves from one another. We're so worried about our problems that we don't reach out to our hurting sister or our hurting brother and speak the Word into their life and pray over them. The devil, the devil is trying to hinder. See, he can't do anything except convince us of lies. That goes back to casting down vain imaginations and every high thing. If we'll begin to do that, we'll begin to get on fire and powerful in the Holy Spirit. We believe a whole bunch of lies every day. I've had many Christians sit and talk to me about why they have to take psych meds because they're depressed. And sometimes I say something and sometimes I don't. Because if you don't want to read the Word... If you don't want to do the work of seeking the Spirit, it's work, and your flesh will scream. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. The Word says it. Your flesh wars against the Spirit. If you'll be led by the Spirit, you'll find yourself in places of joy, in places that the Word promises peace and joy, not to some, not unless you were born in this age, and there's lots of psychiatrists, Peace and joy to the child of God. It sounds so stupid to me when I've seen the way people live in Africa. And they have more joy and peace than we do. I'm just so depressed because my life is so hard because of this, that, and the other. We took a, a, a brother with us over to Africa to minister to the youth there. And he began to tell him his testimony of depression and how he dealt with depression, which is most of the time demon spirits that you have no business sitting under and listening to and letting them oppress you. And he sat there and told a very dramatic story of real things that he went through because of depression. And when he was done, I could see the look on the kid's face. And the leaders came and told me they didn't know what he was talking about. They're too busy trying to survive to have any idea. what They don't have time to sit around and think about themselves. They rejoice in a morsel of bread. They rejoice in their family. They rejoice that they're alive and not dead with AIDS or not hacked up by somebody with a machete. We believe a lot of lies. We walk way beneath this. And so the Lord is is waiting for somebody who will come in and take what's on the table. Amen. And grow up. How are we going to grow if we don't eat? Take what's on the table. Become mature believers in Christ. And then go out like Paul, like Daniel, like Finney. 
and have an effect and an impact on our family and on all those around us. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things that, that I wanted to share, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that. So, praise God. I know it's your heart. I know it's your heart. You want what God wants. And if I'm hearing from God, he's saying, come in deeper. The door is open. The way has been paid. There's so much more. Who will come and find out the heart of God and what he has? Who will seek for the deeper revelations of the word? They'll change your life. They'll change your family. I promise you. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. We thank you that you hear us right now. Almighty God in heaven. God, take the blinders off of our eyes. Unstop our deaf ears. Plow up the fallow ground of our heart. That we might begin to see you and to know you and to hunger and thirst after you and worship you and adore you and live for you like you are so worthy of, Lord. Reveal to us, Lord God, your passion. Reveal to us, Lord God, your heart. We invite you to change us. We invite you to change us, Abba Father. I am the Lord your God, and I have called you with a holy calling. I've washed you in the blood of my Son, and I have sent you rivers of life by my Spirit. I have given you my word to eat of. I am calling you to come away with me. I am calling you aside from the busy affairs of your life for I desire to reveal the hidden truths. I desire to reveal my son. I desire to reveal my heart. I desire a people that will come after me with the whole heart for I desire to reveal my son my plan, my truth to my people, and it will set you free. And it will move amongst the nations if you will allow me to draw you, if you will come, if you will be obedient to my drawing, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You could seek him in your seat or you could come up forward if you want hands laid on you, a prayer. 
Shinaradia sekete yaradia sekete yaradia sonderiniatia sekete yaraniata basonderiniato sengeridiri bashonde. Unaradia sekete yaradia sonderiria somonderiniata kayandaho. Inaradio semonderiria simonderiria somonderiria somonderiria sonderiria sonde. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We want you, Lord. We desire you, Lord. We hunger and thirst for you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah.